Hello and welcome back to An Abundance of Thrones, looking at this week's episode, Game of Thrones, Season 5, Episode 7, The Gift. I'm your host, Garrett, joined by Brad and Wade. Hello. Hello, everyone. Say hi to the realm. Hi, realm. Hi, realm. Hi, realm. <laughs> How are Hello. we doing? How's everybody doing today? Doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um... Initial thoughts on the episode before we get into the data and breakdown. Um, Yay! Sorry. Before we get into initial uh, view, uh, shout out to the... Wow, I say a lot today. Shout Uh, out to our listeners. This will uh, be a potentially explicit podcast. I say potential because we don't know what kind of shit we're going to (laughs) say. And uh, this is a spoiler-filled podcast. If you have not seen The Gift... We encourage you to go watch it and then join us. Yes. Spoilers. There be spoilers here. We are breaking this bitch down left, right, and center. Okay. Do the numbers. With that, all right. Do the number. Fine. Don't No impressions. Uh, numbers this oh, week. Oh, you want some, impressions? Some, I was excited. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> yes. Okay. To quote Midnight Shyamalan, what a twist. <laughs> Uh, if you say so, we'll get into that in just a second. Well, uh, that you new director him, I'm this not week. What? Now that you quoted him, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And scene. Podcast done. <laughs> Later. Uh, <laughs> new director this week, Miguel Sapochnik. He's done some TV stuff like House MD, amongst other you. things. Writers this week, the Double Ds, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Viewership not yet posted, I blame Memorial Day holiday for that. Uh, what were I, they doing? I don't Barbecuing know. Barbecuing or something? It's, I, it's, it's inexcusable. We need what it numbers, is. people. It's ridiculous. Okay. It's now Tuesday evening. They can't do their fucking job. <laughs> can't work under these conditions. The numbers guy had bit too many patties on his burger. I think he had to <laughs> beat too many beers with his burger. Freaking food coma. <laughs> Uh, episode rating this week back up to 90% from that 60 or 58% we saw last week. So the critics liked the episode once again. Awesome. It's nice hey. to know they have good taste every now and then. Every once in a while. So you, you know. say excited for the for this episode. Any quick shout out as to what provoked said emotion? <laughs> the end of it. Mm. <laughs> yes, we'll get and to that. And that's where I'll leave it until we get there. Yes, I agree. That was a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> Wade, anything for you? The end of it. <laughs> okay. Come on, we all know. We all know. Now, for me, the episode title, it took me a bit of thinking to really see how this fit in everywhere obviously there was one big spot but then there was a lot of little things kind of here and there that once you really start thinking about it kind of fell into the general theme of the show title i was expecting a continuation of the story at the wall you know with the free folk coming to the gift okay yeah no yeah i i agree with the show title like that that would kind of Push us towards that way of thinking. Yep. But we see... Well, we'll get there in a second. We're not there yet. 
<laughs> Don't jump too far ahead. Don't jump. Okay, so opening sequence this week, nothing new from the past few weeks. We start off once again, King's Landing, flying north to Winterfell, then the Wall. Across the Narrow Sea to Bravos, to Slaver's Bay and Marine, and back across the Narrow Sea to Dorne. Did they put like a GoPro on a dragon when they do this? Yes. It's exactly what it's they It's exactly do. how it's filmed. <laughs> uh, In real time. <laughs> Dragon's eye. That's how they see things. Everything's gears. It's weird. We don't explain it. <laughs> dragon vision. Something's dragon weird vision. here. We start off the wall. Brad, why don't you? Yeah. Um, so it kind of picks up nicely where the story was left off from last week. Uh, with John and Giants Bane up in the uh, in John's chambers, and they decide on this course of action, and so now we find ourselves down in the courtyard. Um, I was kind of confused; seemed like a little bit of a continuity issue. John freed him up in his chambers. He took the chains off last week. Why was he back in chains? I think that was more of a like. Uh, kind of a bravado moment because yeah, Giant Spain said, "Like, well, you wouldn't say that if if I wasn't in chains." So John went, went "All right, now I change. What you gonna do now?" I agree. He was still a prisoner of of the wall until this course of action took place. Obviously, plenty of Night's Watchmen weren't a fan of this, this <laughs> plan, and still aren't, and still aren't. Since the chains, I thought it was very telling. The way, how formal John is with Alistair. There is, you know, uh, especially with the tensions that there have been between the two of them. When he hands off command, uh, obviously somebody has to be in command while the Lord Commander is out ranging. Um, he very definitely reminds Alistair that he is First Ranger. This is not an opportunity for a coup. You are not becoming acting Lord Commander. I am leaving you in charge, First Ranger. Yes. Now, so speaking of Alistair, let's let's talk about him for a bit. When he was named First Ranger, he kind of sat up a little bit in his chair, this being a couple episodes ago. He did not defend his buddy, um, what's his name? Headless? Headless. Yeah, headless. <laughs> he did not defend. He kind of stood in the way for a second and then didn't. I'm just yep. trying to see how much of a pendulum swing he's made. You know, he's hated John from, from day one for the most part. I don't expect him to be John's number one supporter, but is there some respect now? Or is Alistair just biding his time until he can potentially attempt a coup? Hold that thought. We'll come back to it. So let's put a pin on that. Yes. Um, so we're saying our farewells, and I thought it was very touching that Sam, at least in the way he says it, it, it sounds like he's giving John the actual dagger he used, the dragon glass or obsidian dagger uh, that he used to kill the White Walker. I agree. It does sound like that's what he's saying. This is the dagger I used. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe maybe I'm mishearing it or misremembering it, but it, I agree it did sound that way. And I think it's it's a good thing that he did this right before John's leaving, you know, just in case, because what other opportunity or chance would he have if he didn't have the dragon glass dagger? Right. He's not just going to find one somewhere. You'd think that would have been divulged early on 
and maybe now the Night's Watch would have a dragon glass section in the armory, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, hey, guys, but they... this is the only thing that kills White Walkers. Good, let's make more of them. Yeah. Yeah. From what I understand, be... though, the making of them is difficult. Yeah, I think it involves lava. And dragons. <laughs> or dragons. Or both. Yeah. So we end up inside in uh, with Eamon, Gilly, and Sam. Yeah, Maester Eamon's kind of not looking scene. so hot. And uh, Sam. We're not there yet. Not yet? Sam is there. Sam's a little tired, but that's it. Yeah. I don't think we're at the scene you're thinking of yet. Eamon's uh, not doing so hot. I thought it was kind of cute that he had... A nickname for his younger brother, though, Egg. Egg. For Aegon. Yeah. For Aegon. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of touching. He mirrors Gilly's little Sam to Aegon as a boy. That, that's what I was saying. And Sam was little Sam. Oh, and Sam. So, yes, yeah, so we yes. were in the correct theme. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. I wasn't following your train psychotic thought. Okay. train of thought there. <laughs> uh, you don't want to. Yes, and Eamon warns Gilly that she needs to go south as soon as possible. Otherwise, she could be in a bad situation. I wonder what he knew. Uh, do you think uh, he's referring to White Walkers, or do you think he's referring to the lack of honor amongst the Black Brothers? I wonder if he's just thinking about the winter. Mm. You know, winter is coming. We've seen, actually, we didn't make a mention of this, but... Throughout this whole section uh, of the show, this episode of the show, every bit of us being in the north, it is snowing. Yes. Uh, so the weather has appeared to change. Winter is very much coming and or upon us in Westeros. And that was just something worth stating. I would like to point out for those that do not remember, and this will come up later in another section, but... We are talking about long-term winters, not, you know, every year has four seasons. We're talking about winters that last for years, sometimes decades. Yeah, didn't the last one last like seven? I think so. Yeah, yeah, the world that George has wrote is that the seasons are not a periodical stable change. You get years of summer and years of winter. That's really the only two seasons they refer to. And typically, if the summer is long, the winter is longer longer still. So, so we're in for a heck of a ride. Yeah. And they mentioned Yay. early on in this show, uh, previous seasons, that some kids have uh, and, and people have been and only know the summer. They've never seen a winter. And so we're under the impression as outsiders to this world that winters are beyond harsh. And by the lengths that are inferred, at least, this is going to be a doozy. Yes, indeed. Winterfell. Had... Winterfell. Wait, did you have something to say? We had four seasons of summer. Uh, we roughly have... in the show, yeah, we've had four <laughs> seasons worth of summer. Yay. Eight and... seasons of winter. <laughs> <laughs> Twelve season long show. I can dig it. Yes, Why Winterfell. Reek, uh, Reek visits Sansa. We are under the impression that a few days have passed from last episode. 
Yes. Sansa has a few extra marks on her skin, on her person. We're led to believe that Ramsay is... I'm not sure if rough is appropriate. Vicious? Vicious in the old shagging. Unkind? (laughs) He's uncaring. Um, So yeah, uh, Sansa pleading with Reek for assistance. Trying to help him remember who he is. Yeah, and trying to awaken what's been repressed. I mean, it's got to be there somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, and I think that's kind of the growing theory in the community, too, that even though the conscious persona of Reek is Reek, there has to be an unconscious uh, Theon buried in there. And if Sansa can wake him up, she might gain an ally on the inside. So... I'm of two minds here. First of all, I wouldn't trust him anyway. Uh, yes. He's done so much on his own, and now that he's been broken and rebuilt as Reek, um, can you ever really... Uh, would that ever go away? Uh, and the second part of this is, even before he was broken, um, even his father was... Uh, I don't know the right word here. Ashamed isn't quite what I'm going for, but disgusted by his softness. You know, but we have to take into consideration the Ironborn have a very different standard. Well, that's exactly what I'm going for here, though, right? He is supposedly Ironborn. And when he returns to his father, proud of what he's become, his father's not really interested. You're, You're not actually really ironborn you haven't paid the iron price for anything correct um which so, which provoked a lot of his viciousness because now he's trying to prove himself in the eyes of his father as being ironborn and that and, hasn't worked well yeah <laughs> that backfired and we've talked about the lies that he told last week and how he's got to kind of stick to him he can't back out of those now yeah uh for fear of future i don't know Punishment's not the right word, but that's what I'm trying to replace. Repercussions. Yes, we'll go with that. So Sansa explains that Ramsay hurts her every night. She's locked up in a room all day. Ramsay comes to visit at night and hurts her. Like once again, evident by the bruises on her arms, and I'm sure elsewhere, other places. Yes. Upon her pleading with Reek slash Theon, she tries to get him to light a candle in the broken down tower of Winterfell. Which he gladly does. Which, uh, a little bit of hesitation, but yes, he he's willing to oblige. Absolutely, not a problem. I got this. Only to find out that the room he's headed to has been converted. So, I don't think it's the same room. You don't think so? You think he went straight there? You think he yeah, went yeah. to Ramsey? Well, maybe not straight there, but he did go there. I don't think Ramsey's room is the top of the Broken Tower. I don't. Okay. Um, but with, I could be wrong there. With I, scenes from from Winterfell B, I want to disagree with you. Uh, because it appeared to me that when Reek entered the room and saw Ramsey, he was surprised. And... When Reek opened the door, Ramsey was kind of surprised. Reek, what are you doing here? So uh, that's a good point. I I want to say I disagree. I'm going to I'm, say I disagree. 
you know what? You disagree. I'm perfectly okay with that. And now that I think about it, my thought was back to observing Sansa with the candle, um, but I guess we never did actually get to see inside the topped, top room of the Broken Tower. We Sansa stands the... at the base of it and looks up. Correct. But never goes in. Correct. So, no, The only time we've plausible. seen the top of the Broken Tower is Season 1, Episode 1, Jamie Cersei. Bran. <laughs> Way back poor, then. Poor Bran. Poor Bran. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so he meets up with Ramsey and Reek uh, quite clearly Crumbles. expresses why he's there. Uh, yeah. By evident from future scene. We'll get to in a second. Crumble. The wall B. We Still revisit. not going well for Eamon. Yeah. Oh, no, is, this, uh, this was the scene I was thinking of. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, <laughs> Eamon's room. Once again, Eamon, Gilly, Sam, and little Sam. Eamon continues to fade, calling for egg. Now, to me, I thought in this part he was starting to become delusional. It did seem that way, he yes. Was, he was hearing Little Sam and he was calling out to Egg um, in his in his memory of childhood. So, random thought for you here. Yes. Was Aegon Aemon's son? Uh, no, he clearly expressed that he was a younger brother. That does not preclude my... You're we, thinking it, the incestuous is, nature of the Targaryen that their family tree forked even less? Well, it was. It has been stated previously that the Targaryens deliberately married brother to sister to keep the bloodline pure. But I just Egg find was it interesting brother, that would as to, he's dying, he's calling for a younger brother. Uh, it's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. But in order for that to be the case and he be a younger brother uh, under the Targaryen rule, he would have had to marry and bed his mother. Uh, that's that's weird even by, I, to me, Targaryen standards. <laughs> uh, I'm just oh, going out that's there. That's where you want to draw the line. <laughs> because everybody knows that Aemon and Aegon are siblings. But if it's sibling slash son, that means that there was a loot back in the family tree. You know, I'm not ruling anything out. Fair enough. Um, I don't think we'll ever get additional clarity the for that. The last one was called the Mad King for a reason. <laughs> Maybe a little, <laughs> a little too bit much of incestuous nature. Yeah. Um, and that was, I understand that was completely random and from left field. But I find it interesting that as he's dying, you know... <clears throat> He's not calling for his mother. You know, there's a tendency to revert to a more childlike state. He's not calling for his mother or his father or, or anybody. We know he's had significant others. He's calling for his younger brother. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I guess the question is um, from a bit of lore, and if our listeners know this, please let us know. When did... Aemon go to the Citadel and become a maester. You know, was it young? Was it? I mean, it wasn't that old because when we visit the wall in Sea, uh, I believe, or is it? No, later, later in this bit, um, Sam expresses that there's been a dozen Lord Commanders during Aemon's time in service. 
clearly we don't know the lifespan of a of a Lord Commander, but if there were 12 of them, we have to assume he's been at the Wall for quite a long time. Well, and there was a reference to his age, uh, was it last episode, of being over 100. Okay. I, I missed I that reference. Correctly. I could have dreamed it. That's, that's uh, possible. Well, that's fine. Another interesting side note for Eamon is that this is really the first character that we've seen die due to quote-unquote natural causes. <laughs> he actually got old and died. He actually got old and died at one of the most treacherous places to call home. That's just weird. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure if there's any sort of parallel Being... or underlying theme that writers are getting at there. but Being closest to the danger is the safest. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Keep your Something enemies like closer. Be blind and helpless. You'll live forever. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm taking away from this. <laughs> Hold on. Let me go catch up my eyes. <laughs> so while Amond is lying there delusional, he makes a statement, I dreamed that I was old. Um, he kind of bursts out. Sam's holding his hand. Gilly is warning Sam that you should get some sleep as you'll have to speak for Maester Amon in the morning. And the morning comes. <laughs> yes he he watches one more night he does well i mean well, as much as partially. a blind madman can watch so at the courtyard sam says some pretty touching words uh pretty spot on for well good for old maester uh he was the blood of the dragon and now his fire has gone out and now his watch is ended can we moment of silence get for, to that uh, kind Lester of an annoying thing what well Join the Night's Watch. You give up basically family, all titles. Now it's a funeral. Blood of the Lion, which means Targaryen. It's like Blood of the Dragon, not Lion. Blood of the Dragon. Lion is Lannister. Sorry. Sorry. Get your My shit right. Blood of the Dragon. There you go. So it's like, okay, so he dies and he gets his name back? How'd... They acknowledge, uh, oh, Jesus, uh, the people that have come to them that are <laughs> noteworthy, I suppose. Okay, but you figure... You surrender all claims. Yeah. I mean, you don't... You don't... Become... Hmm, how do I word this correctly? You're not a new it's person. Not, it's not that your history your has never been. He was still Targaryen. Yeah. Jon is still Snow uh, slash Stark. Um, you know, Sam is still... Tarly. Tully. Tarly. Tarly. You know, the, they still have their histories. They just don't have claim to them or... Uh, Essentially any you know, rights to heritage. To yeah, hmm. yeah. But they are still them. Yeah. They don't... Yeah, they're not wiped from existence. They just... So... Yeah, exactly. He's still blood... He's still blood of the dragon. And then we get a little interesting statement from Sir Alistair. Um Now, this is the part I was talking about. So was this a warning or a statement? Or just an observation. The, <laughs> a combination of all of the above. Yeah. Um, the way it was worded, I took it as a warning. Yeah, I, I saw that as you kind of a threat. You don't have many people left to defend you, Sir Piggy. Sir Piggy. <laughs> that was his nickname when he first came. Was it came Sir? To no, it wasn't Sir. It was Lord Piggy. Oh, was it Lord? I thought it was he, Sir Piggy. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure... I. I want Lord to say Piggy. Lord because he's he's highborn. That's true. Just like they called John Lord Snow. Right. Uh, Lord is, in terms of trying to be a jab, but 
John didn't give a shit. <laughs> he so, owns yeah, it. I am kind of highborn, even if I am a bastard. So fuck taking, off. Taking a lesson from a from Tyrion. Yep. Tyrion, one. definitely. Wear your hardships like honor, and they can never be used against you. Back to Winterfell B. Ramsay and Sansa go for a stroll atop the wall. Yeah. Not so the wall, I, wall, the Winterfell wall. The Winterfell, the the Winterfell. Yes. <laughs> well There's said. A term for it so glad mind. you're Just here. The battlements, battlements of Winterfell. Battlements. Thank there you. you. Well said. That's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so God. glad you came prepared. <laughs> um. You know, Ramsey here really starts, well, it starts to, we've always known, but it just continues to pile on top of each other just how deep his psychosis and and just how nasty he really is, how he can turn this on and off. Because when Sansa comes out, you know, he's just so, I mean, it's veiled, and we can see through it. But he puts on the niceties and, yep. oh, my wife, it's so good to see you, you know. I'm still trying to figure out, um, and forgive me if this is being pure naive or not, if he's ignorant to the fact that what he does to people hurts them, or if he truly takes pleasure in it. Oh, he's bipolar. I mean, because <laughs> it's... He's he's so evil in so many ways that you think this has to be deliberate. But how he calls out certain things like when he brought Reek out when they were having dinner or when we get to the a little bit further in this scene here. How he says things and how he calls attention to it is like he's just totally oblivious that it has any effect on anybody. Or is it that he just honestly does it out of spite and cares less? I, I'm Wait, not sure which it is. You were so mean. You need to apologize. I think he is a true, complete narcissist. It is all about him all the time and whatever he wants to do. And that's fair. Um, so let's see. Other people's... Other people's... Mm, opinions? No, that's not the word I'm after. Other people's... Feelings don't enter into it. It's it's what makes him feel good. And if it makes him feel good to be nice to you, he'll be nice to you. And if it makes him feel good to peel your skin off while you're still alive, well, so be it. Then he'll do that too. Uh, so yes. Jeez, uh, with the us today. My lord. Uh, uh, so Ramsey's expecting a fat bearded beast when he was told he was betrothed to Sansa. Imagine his surprise when it's this quite lovely young lady which makes like Ramsay very happy yes upon their walk Sansa decides to pick up a power powder hey, powder keg corkscrew powder keg corkscrew I was so, I was so hopeful <laughs> well knowing I mean, the we're D's, already off script right none of this is in the oh book, yeah so oh yeah she was knows? never at Winterfell so I was so hopeful that she was just going to let him have it. Well, like I said, she's starting to play. Yes. So she knows he's going to be coming to the room later on in the night. 
So Ooh. I want to touch base on that here in a second when we finish up some of the scene. Alrighty um, then. So Ramsey's talking about our people, the people in the north. I like how he's trying to force a bond here. Yeah, he like, is kind we're, of. Huh? We're not that different, you and I. Wink, wink. Yes. You know, we're part of the same people. Nudge, nudge, nudge. Hit, hit. But then Sansa <laughs> decides to take a few jabs at him. The natural-born son, potentially, from his stepmother. The fact that he's a bastard only legitimized by another bastard. So how legitimate can that be? <laughs> I thought that was interesting because we're obviously past the point where Ned... Was it Ned that sent out the ravens? Yes. So we're now four seasons, or three seasons, really, past that. Three and a half seasons past that. Do the Boltons believe this? I know she's definitely playing this up. Uh, I think it's no secret that it's speculation in the realm, but obviously we know from King's Landing that there hasn't been any action taken against it. Oh, no. Or, or any... <laughs> exactly. Uh, duh. So, I, I think much of the realm feels what they feel uh, regarding the legitimacy of Tommen. Sure. But nothing's happened yet. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Ramsey... Obviously, she hasn't been uh, reading every edition of the Ravens. Journal? The Daily Raven? The daily, yeah, the Daily Raven. <laughs> yes. Um, Sansa had no clue that John was now Lord Commander. Yeah, she missed that Raven. Yeah, it's totally She was it. on the road, you know. <laughs> they, don't, they don't get to all the areas. So Ramsey yeah, uses... Peter forgot to forward their subscription. That's right. She had a mailing address. They didn't forward it. Just... <laughs> so Ramsey uses... Just moved. <laughs> Ramsey uses John here as a, an expression that just because you're bastard born doesn't mean you can't ascend to greatness. Yes. Case in point. And then Ramsey shows Sansa a little gift. Her and again with, the, with how deep his nastiness runs, it's just a, oh, oh yeah, by the way. Yeah, I forgot I, what I, I brought you out here for. Look, look, I brought you a flower in the shape of an old woman with no skin left. Isn't it pretty? She's insidious. This is why I think he converted the upper tower, because he got to the old lady who told Sansa that if you light a candle in the old tower, then your friends will come. Understood. And now this woman has been tortured, flayed, and killed, and... I'm assuming Crucified. that Ramsey has taken up post in said tower. Yes. And I didn't put it in the show notes, but it's right around here. We get a brief glimpse outside the walls. Was and it here or was it after Winterfell A where Ramsey and Reek uh, are what we assume to be in the top tower? Maybe. I Somewhere think it was up here. there. But yes, we see <laughs> Brienne looking at the tower, hoping Still for waiting. a sign. Yes. Which adds some... Validity to the supporter statements that a friend is coming. It was left ambiguous early on on if that was because of Brienne or not. And now we can safely assume that it is. Next scene. Next scene. Stannis's camp, location unknown. Yeah. So obviously we know we're somewhere in the gift. Yeah, we're somewhere right? along with, the King's with... Road traveling south. 
<clears throat> traveling south from the wall, um, things are not going well. This is where we get our first real glimpse of winter. I mean, it was flurrying at the wall, but now you're outside of, uh, yeah, I would think the, the shadow of the wall would cast some protection. Yes, I would agree with that. Now you're outside of that, and my goodness, has winter hit. Yes, winter is hit. They are <clears throat> losing horses. <clears throat> uh, they are losing... They're losing people. swords. They're losing food. They're Armies. losing confidence. Yes. Especially this is Stannis. not a good time for Stannis. Stannis is, has a lot of resolve on what he needs to do, but... Melisandre and Sir Davos, not so much. Well, I would take it would take a little bit of uh, battle to what you said there. Stannis has resolve. Melisandre thinks he should go further, and Davos thinks he should back up. But Stannis is afraid of becoming known as the king who ran. Yes, he's afraid and to look like a I think that's blinding him a little bit. He is so determined to not give up. You know, he retreated from the Battle of Blackwater Bay. Correct. He is not going to do that again. To the point where, dude, your army's dying. Yeah, success or death, either way, we march on. Yeah. Um, so where I come up with mine, obviously Sir Davos is uh, advocating caution. Let's retreat to the wall. Let's winter it out, and then, you know, we'll, we'll try again when the weather's better. Now, a lot of the community members, uh, fans, much like ourselves, uh, I'm in agreement with here. We've trusted and kind of stood by Sir Davos throughout the show. Uh, he saved Gendry. He called out Melisandre early on. He kind of is um, the average character for the fandom to kind of latch on to who has ascended to more or less greatness. He has the king's ear. Sure. But and, knowing but what we know about this for what world... He has, right? He's come up through the ranks. Yes. Yep. yes he's yes, a yes, no-bullshit yes. kind of guy. Yes. But this is one of the few pieces of advice it's hard to agree with him on because we don't know how long the winter is going to last. We've been told that the wall can't support Stannis' army. Where exactly are they going to retreat back to for shelter and safety? The wall can't handle it. They're dying off. If you're, if you're fearing the winter, the last place you'd want to go is where it's colder sooner. <laughs> uh, but so, again, with you would get some protection. I mean, they're out in the fields with no protection. At least at the wall, you would get the protection of the wall. But from they a don't structure have the standpoint, food storage. They don't have the food for it. Yeah, so they just True. sit there and starve. Well, there's that. Melisandre, on the other hand, wants to go further and is kind of coming around a veiled threat. Not quite a threat, but a, a you know, that she wants to sacrifice Shireen. Yes, she wants more king's blood and the best source, aside from the king himself, is direct bloodline. Yes. And we speculation see on what she wants to do. Uh, full, full on, deep, deep bleeding. Okay, uh, but we, what's she going to do with all this blood? 
Oh, she needs it to talk to the Lord of Light, apparently. She'll bathe in it and have a trance. And... <laughs> uh, it was expressed baby? that leeches, leeches will not work, so they need more blood than that for her visions and prophecies and whatnot. And Stannis very much against this. <laughs> very much. Very much. We've seen with previous episodes the bond that he has with his daughter, regardless of his wife's view on the matter she's very much not a fan of shireen with mm-hmm. the fact that shireen is female and stricken with grayscale but to stannis his little girl is his little girl and i don't think under any circumstances will he subject. sacrifice what's that yeah i said and that's the end of that subject yeah some to of the, the point where he kicks her kicks melisandre out now some of the fans fear that the camera lingered on him a little too long after he kicked Melisandre out, potentially implying that he's debating the subject. But I don't think it's a debate in his mind. I think it just showed his his anger and frustration that this was even brought up to him. I could see it both ways. Yeah, he's determined mm-hmm. to win. This is true, but is he determined to win at the cost of his of his daughter? To victory or to defeat, but only forward. That's right. We will uh, we'll see. Whatever the cost. We'll see if that is too much of a cost for him to bear or not. Back Re- to the wall. Returning to the wall, Gilly in the washroom and greeted by a few brothers. Not yeah. Wildling brothers, but brothers of the Night's Watch. Derek and Brant. Showing their old colors here. Yes, yeah. they want a little piece of the action. Mm-hmm. saying that, you know, is Gilly cute because she's cute or is she cute only because she's, she's the only the girl cute. at the wall and when you're amongst a lot of men, it doesn't take much to get excited. Except they had Molestown. They did, or they they might not, though. Did the Wildlings <laughs> they, with... Uh, well, they used to Egret, have Molestown. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think they got wiped out. Yeah, Egret put a stop to that. Um, Sam's starting to grow a backbone. Sam's stepping up. He's got a reason to fight. Yes. Not that he spent a great deal training to fight. Well, and that becomes evident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you figure he killed the White Walker. Out of luck. Kind of by accident. And yep. he killed the Then with a crossbow. crossbow from a distance. He's never actually had to do hand to hand, but with intent, he doesn't. Right, but he doesn't let that stop him, and to the point where he's prepared to bullshit with the best of them. Look, I killed a White Walker and a Then. I'll take my chances with you. Yep, he's throwing that it, in their face. He's trying to intimidate a little bit. It's enough to make them pause. <laughs> it is, uh, and Sam gets beat. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he gets beat, but he gets back up. He's got resolve. He's you know what? You can beat me, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on trying. I get knocked down, but I get up again. That's right, because I have a reason to keep fighting, not just because I'm here. That was a good song. Anyway, and um, he gets he gets a little help from from a long lost friend of the viewers. Yeah, I screamed. I, I yelled out in excitement when Ghost oh, yep. was on screen. Where awesome. has Ghost been? Giant smile uh, on my face in the stables. <laughs> Eating dead horses? <laughs> Saved in the CGI file somewhere? <laughs> yes. 
saved when the budget would better allow for him. <laughs> right. And you know in the set there's just some guy in a green suit just like on all fours. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for another casting call. No, exactly. he's on all fours walking out so they can CGI ghost over him. What a job. Yeah. <sighs> Andy so what Serkis, did you do? Is that you? Oh, well, I played ghost. Um, <laughs> I'd rather play the dragons. Thank you. <laughs> so, Sit my head on Darnarius' lap. Yes, please. <laughs> I was amused by Sam's uh, response here. Once ghost takes care of the situation. He's still trying to be tough here. Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm just a little bit woozy uh, as he passes out. (laughs) I'm just a little concussed. It's still good. It's still good. (laughs) Yeah, no. So a few broken bones between brothers. So we visit Sam's room now where Gilly is taking care of Sam. Sam expresses he won't leave Gilly to defend herself alone. Uh, He... (laughs) He says that he had them right where he wanted them. They were in the palm of his hand. They were tiring out. He's still full of it. (laughs) Hey. Uh, Fake it till you make it. Portray it till you become it. Um, Take your pick. Sure. And then, um, see, now you have a very interesting show note on here. And I got to call it out. You you have written that Sam breaks his vows. Yep. I was actually looking at that, too. Uh, that's incorrect. Oh, do tell. Well, I believe it was in season two or potentially season three where Sam is talking to John about John Lang with Egret. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that in the oath of the Night's Watch, it says you can father no children and, and have and take, not, and take no women. Have, shall not have take a wife. Shall not take a wife and cannot bear children. But it does not say you cannot lay with a woman. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there is no vow broken. There no, therefore, no, bra- no vow has been broken. I wondered if you would. Sam play up on gets that. some action, and oh, to him, it's some good action. <laughs> no, I bet, I bet he sent over the uh, the show notes. And so, oh, goddamn, I get caught for that. No, one. knowing Brad, he put that in there. and was going. <laughs> I wonder if he'll pick up on this. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I was hoping I'd get a discussion out of that one. Fuck you <laughs> and your debauchery and <laughs> conniving ways. <laughs> How so do you just, feel about him? <laughs> for the listeners, we uh, we we have show notes that we type up as we go. Yeah, this is and, not off uh, the top of our head and we're not watching the no. episode live. No. So uh, for the show notes for this section, I put in that Sam breaks his vows, hoping that I would get some kind of response. <laughs> Are you satisfied with your response, you arrogant prick? I am. Okay, so uh, I guess now, seeing as we don't see the end of this scene, uh, you know, it's the infamous fade to black. Yes. Um, and scene. Scene, yes. Did he actually break his vows? Or was he able to contain himself stay tuned we'll never know or will we market maybe we will and we'll leave you with a oh my (laughs) oh my my. (laughs) slaver's market we approach a little auction appearing in the middle of the woods where jorah and Tyrion stand in chains so as far as location for this i and again referring to our show notes uh that the listeners are not seeing I just put slave market. I get the impression that this is outside of Marine. Um because they get purchased and then taken 
to the fighting pits. But I didn't put Marine because that's not exactly clear. Yeah, it's a, it's a little off it's the grid. They, yes, they couldn't go near Marine and sell slaves because the Unsullied will kill them. Yeah, it's forbidden. True. Jorah sold first, and uh, he's got a pretty interesting resume going on here. He is. Killed Khal Drogo apparently, in a single, a single combat. And apparently he had a flaming sword when he fought with uh, Robert Baratheon in the battle across the Narrow Sea. Pretty sure so, that was Thoros of Mir, but hey. I, I was going to say, it sounds like um, these Easterners are are um, kind of conglomerating all the Westerosi stories. Um, you think this is the Easterners, or do you think this is the the result of the sharp-tongued imp in the midst? No, I don't... Uh, nothing about what Tyrion and Jorah said last week when they were captured was an exaggeration. Yes, there was a lot of big talk... But Jorah had done those things. You think the slaver was using history to buff up? Oh, the... hell yes! But how would how would they <laughs> necessarily know about a flaming sword? Unless those happen a lot in Essos with, uh, you know, the priests of the red, the red priests, the, the red god, the Maybe. sun god. Maybe. Although I would think something as impressive. I mean, we've we've seen throughout the show that news travels across the sea sure danny daily hears danny hears news from westeros westeros has heard news from beyond the sea it's not like it's impossible and nothing ever travels and i would think if the flaming sword was that unusual which it certainly was in westeros enough that this guy became known for it why wouldn't stories of that spectacular event site Wait. travel across the sea? And now it's all being kind of heaped upon Jorah. Well, he's the only Westerosi we know, so obviously this was all him. Okay, my rebuttal to that, though, is when they're telling Jorah's story, Jorah looks over at That's Tyrion and Tyrion thinking. kind of like, uh, gives him fuck? a little nod or acknowledgement. Ah, I missed that. So I'm under the impression that Tyrion ran his mouth a little bit here. <laughs> Tyrion? No. No, not not Tyrion. No. I wonder if he'd gotten hold of some wine finally. <laughs> so Jorah gets bought for 20 gold somethings. Favors? Whatever they were. Whatever crowns? currency of... No, they definitely weren't crowns. Yeah, they're not. They're not dragon coin. I don't. <laughs> Some sort of golden currency. Yes. Coin, gold coin, done. And Tyrion appeals and says that he must be purchased as well. They are a team. He's a great warrior, also. Of the tongue, maybe, but <laughs> you see him beat the crap laughter. with his handler with his own chain. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. That was hilarious. It was. He caught him off guard, off balance. He was being a little cocky. And... But, but the handler was screaming and whimpering. I think that guy's a great actor. Oh, I yeah. Think he, was, he was selling Tyrion's story as good as anyone could. Absolutely. Well, you would be screaming and whimpering if you're being whipped with a chain. 
<laughs> he wasn't even trying to <laughs> fight get back. One. He was just kind of like hiding behind his arms. Don't hurt me. Ah! Yeah, let me see. You be whimpering. Do we have a chain? I'll, we'll see if you start crying and whimpering. Okay. I'll <laughs> promise you I won't be sitting here taking it. I will fight back. You see and... that now. <laughs> Tyrion, Tyrion decides to press his luck, though. Yeah. He must he, have uh... been drunk. Uh, he he must have been. I don't know. He expresses that. Um... Oh, no. He's sobering up and he's getting pissed off about it. <laughs> Maybe. Exp- expresses that. Being a slave when Marine is a free city, that perhaps they'd have better luck with free men being paid a wage. Of which Tyrion gets a few payments here. One <laughs> in the form of a backhand. And the other in a small trinket or a piece small of currency. Coin. Expressing that'll probably last him the rest of his life. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Marine. Marine. Danny's room. Danny and Dario. Danny's getting, gotten modest lately. Getting a little, uh, a little freak on. <laughs> a little modest. Well, she likes to stay covered up under her sheets. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Her contract only had uh, one nudity scene per season, apparently. Oh, is that what it was? I have no idea. We've already cashed in that currency. I don't think we've seen it this one. No, but she had like three last seasons, so yeah, we won't so see any she... this season or next. Or the one after. <laughs> Uh, so you, Dario, a little jealous of uh, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, as a he, yeah, something, something. Wow. Yeah. No, uh, I know I butchered it, but it's some. I've got it right you here. Tried this like somewhere. last podcast too. Yeah, I've we got did. It here shortly. Continue. Somebody I forgot it. to put this on the show. In the somebody forgot to put this in the show notes. Damn them. Danny's realizing though that she kind of doesn't have a lot of choice here she has to start making alliances she can't fight a battle on two fronts she can't be squeezed like a pimple with the uh, enemies it, within and the enemies without his dar zolarak yeah that's him her <laughs> be- betrothed her betrothed but not her beloved can we no. just speak well, of like how good of a day that or how of a twister that guy had for a day <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in a dungeon, watched his buddy get burned and eaten, and uh, then now he's going to become the king of Marine, apparently. Then uh, turn Slaver's Bay. Yeah. Well, Marine, Slaver's Bay, sure. No, one's a city, one's a bay. One's, Which yeah, is one's multiple the cities. Bay. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to find where we're at. If you yes. watch Sesame Street, one of these things is not mm. like the other. <laughs> yeah, so Danny has no choice for her alliances. She must gain the trust and the loyalty of the city in order to better defend it from outside forces. I find it interesting here, the sad realization that Danny is the only one, you know, after she spent so much time freeing these slaves, she's the only one that really isn't free. She is bound by duty and traditions that she is getting pissed off with. And what's the word I'm after here? Necessary burdens that she is, that she has to bear and only she can. On one hand, it's sad. On the other hand, it's enlightening. It it shows that she's growing in to the ruler that she has to be and not just sitting on her throne saying, I am the queen. We're doing it my way. The end. She's realized that doesn't work. It's not working. Yeah. It won't work. 
um, she cannot rule as Aegon did. She has to earn the loyalty through marriage and through uh, abiding by the traditions and grow with the city along. Dario makes one final suggestion, though, after he seemed to have pressed his luck considerably, <laughs> that Danny should gather all the former maesters, great, wise, worthy, and others, and slaughter them all. Maesters? Not maesters, masters. There we go. Masters. Like, yeah, let's just kill masters. all the healers. Just <laughs> kill everyone. <laughs> what, yeah. what, why do you think he is so against the masters? Well, wasn't he a former slave or but he slain, was, slave family? But he was, he was glad for it, though. Former slave, uh, freed as a result of his success in the pits. Yeah. Right. So, I think there's still some animosity there, though. There's no love lost between him and the masters, definitely. Oh yeah, there's no love and lost, she, but at the same. Continue. Okay, but he recognizes that they have been the instigators behind the Sons of the Harpy. If you're really wanting to secure things, these are the guys you've got to get rid of. Okay, I don't argue. Uh, I think it's incredibly uh, following a hasty generalization that you can't just off the top 1% and expect the rest of the city to pick up the slack. Um, you know, the rest being the slaves and whatnot. Yeah, they're the ones who are doing all the work for the most part anyway. But I I just don't see that being a, a good path for the city to follow. Okay. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, just it's interesting that he goes to that degree. You know, what sure. what what grounds does he have to stand on to suggest this? What's his ammunition here? Uh, well, it's a little great. His, his closing statement kind of sums it all up, though. There are two kinds of rulers. You're either a butcher or you're the meat. Sure. Which one are you going to be? Yeah. Again, uh, you're picking between two extremes, though. You either succeed by killing off all of your enemies, some of which not necessarily enemies, or you play the nice card and you become the victim. Obviously, there's got to be a path between the two that one can walk if they can walk it finely enough. That's the trick. That's the trick. Uh, in the effort of being mindful of what we have left to talk about and where we're at with time now, Standing jumping to up. King's Landing, we're going to have to kind of spitball these a little quicker than we've been so far just to be respectful to our listeners. Sure. King's Landing, Baylor's Sept. Lady Olena, the Queen of Thorns, and the High Sparrow, High Septum, uh, whatever title he has. <laughs> whatever he is now. Little I thought match. it was humorous that she didn't recognize him at all. Uh, why would she? Oh, absolutely. He was not the pompous ass that the previous High Septum was. What's also interesting to take note here is that after he calls her out on having the title of Queen of Thorns... He refers to her as Lady Olena from that point forward. He more or less strips her of her nickname and or title. Mm -hmm. He's not disrespecting her, but he brings it down a notch. He's yep. not using titles so she can't use his titles against him. Yeah. 
I think little... it's interesting, though, the insinuations that are made through this conversation. It sounds like he's planning a total revolt. Uh, it is, yeah, with his statement of you uh, being highborn, your whole family, no one's ever sowed a field or reaped the, reaped the grain. You're the few. The people are the many who do that work, and once they stop fearing you, then the world will be a better place, more or less. Yeah, and what's going to happen when the many stop hearing, fearing the few? Yeah, exactly. When complete and utter chaos. When the one, the lower and high garden feel or hear that the lower ha in King's Landing have risen up, they go. Maybe we can do that too. Well, what's exactly. interesting though is her threat here also about. High Garden supplying much of the food to to the city, and that's where the and cops if gunning. she were to give the order to cease and desist, whose fault would that fall on? Is it widely known through the common folk that the food is coming from High Garden, or would they blame the gods for no longer supporting them? Uh, it's a little little unclear. Sure. We jump over to the king's chamber, or at least somewhere in the uh, Red Keep. Red Keep. With Tommen and Cersei. Tommy. T Tommy. I'm going to call him Tommy from now on. Tommen, uh, quite pissed off that he is the king and is completely powerless to save his queen. Now, although I think the writers wanted us to cringe a little bit at him yelling that he is the king calling back to Tywin's statement of anyone who has to say they are king is no king. I didn't feel that with him. I thought this was truly just, a, he wasn't trying to convince anybody. He was just so frustrated that he was the one who's supposed to have all this power and yet has none in this well, situation. And we're starting to see the consequences of Cersei's maneuvering. She, yeah. ha she thinks not that she's consequences. retained the power. Yes. She thinks and that she has. She thinks that she has, and Tommen is st still her puppet. Yes. And then... And he has no idea. Yes, and but he's pissed off enough to prepare to go to war against the High Sept and the Faith Militant, which I don't think that'll last long. They're only armed with a chain and some blunt objects. True, so but guess who'll be killed first? Yes, the first casualty of said war, most likely to be the queen. Yes. Any other? On to Dorne. On to Dorne. Good. I was wondering if you had any further thoughts on that. <laughs> no, let's skip through. Uh, I'm not sure if this one's quite right, but we start with Jamie. It's unclear how much of a prison cell he's really in. It looks pretty uh, lavish. House arrest. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more accurate. Marcella visits Jamie. Marcella pretty pissed off, having pretty much no relationship with Jamie. Dorne has been her home for quite a few years now. And now he shows up and tries to start dictating and kidnapping. Yes, and she expresses that her mother sent her here. She's only done what her mother's ever asked, and now they're claiming to want to take her away. She will marry and they Tristan. Can go jump. And uh, that's that. She can just go jump. She can just go jump. Go jump off a bridge. And we visit the prison cells where Bronn and his apparently lovely voice singing about the Dornishman's wife. I think this, this might was, be his new favorite song. I think that the song is that the Dornishman stole his wife. This is just a song not 
you know, him himself. But then he also did the Dornishman's wife. Well, the song's not about a wife being a wife taken. Uh, if in the beginning it is, no, it's like it's a the... Dornishman stole my wife, but I ta- I tasted the Dornishman's wife. Now, this was, I think, this was the ending the to the song that we started to hear last week. Yes. Uh, so yes. Uh, fair enough. Braun expresses that uh, he feels that Dornish women are some of the prettiest in the world. However, not the Sand Snakes. And which a little um, debate occurs. <laughs> With the I visual think the purpose, props. Yes, visual props. I think the purpose here was to get his heart rate up and get the poison flowing. The, That's the... probably fair. I have to say I think she has the best tits of the show, though. I'm going to go on record and say it. She had some very lovely breastuses. You heard it here first. Uh, you heard it here first. I'm not so ashamed is that, to say So is that her than Darneris? Or... Y- yes. Okay. Yes. So who's three? Uh, that would who's... be my order. Uh, I'm not worried about three. Those are my top two. And I'm fine Melis- with that. Is it Melisandre? That's four breasts uh, in my face, and I'm satisfied with that. Back to King's Landing. Uh, <laughs> well, we before we jump back to King's Landing, yes, the... The poison flowing through Bronze blood. He receives the antidote after admitting that, I forgive the name, but this young sand snake is the most beautiful woman he's seen. She throws him the antidote and admits that, well, Bronze pretty handsome also. Potential for future? Potential uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend for now? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Back to King's, King's Landing. Landing. We revisit Peter Baelish in one of his former brothels with Lady Olena. How it was uh, clearly not safe for his, as she says, clientele. Yes. Which I thought was a very interesting emphasis. <laughs> emphasis. You like that? Uh, I did. Baelish would return as soon as things started to go wrong. This is Olena's accusations. We know that Baelish returning out of request by Cersei, and he is playing the game to the best that he can. We now very firmly understand that they both had a hand in killing Joffrey. Yes. Uh, I'm not and sure I find it interesting that she calls that in here, that together they both have mutually assured destruction. Whatever yes. goes on with one, the other one's going to pull it down too. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. for Elena. If the house Tyrell falls, Baelish will definitely get caught in the crossfire. We kicked him to the chariot. We learned here that the male uh, witness, so to speak, against Loris was truly provided by Baelish. And then he has some additional information. What's that? He is seriously playing all sides. All sides. He always does. And he has some additional information to sell to Lady Olena, of which we can only speculate. What's your thoughts? Real quick here. Um, The last clip of this show. Okay. I I think that uh, the ammunition he has... With that, or potentially using the 
oh, what is it? The the same witness and maybe throwing the 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 case against Loris. I'm looking forward to seeing how that twists. Yeah, should be interesting. We jump back to Marine and the fighting pits. So the impression that I got here um, when I first uh, started taking the notes for this was that there were multiple cities around where they had uh, fighting pits. Yeah, and then I'm... it kind of dawned on me that that's not quite how it is. Marine has multiple, and they have a like the grand one and then lesser ones. I believe this is much like the movie Gladiator with uh, Russell Crowe, where you have the main Colosseum in the middle of Rome. And then on the outskirts or underlying areas, so quote-unquote suburbs of the city, they have their respective regional pits. Sure. And it apparently is a tradition that the queen visits some of these fighting pits prior to the true tournament. And the battle begins. The We never really get his name, but this particular slave master caught uh, aback by the presence of the queen has to... Rally up his fighters. Well, they're free men, right? I mean, they uh, have to be. Sure. Of the course. queen's there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Jorah hears glorious queen and provokes some curiosity. <laughs> ice perk. Wine. <laughs> he uh, proceeds to beat the crap out of everyone. <laughs> yeah. He enters the fight uh, kind of midway through. If you notice, none of which were killing blows. But he had debilitated all the all the opponents, which I did notice that piqued her interest. Here comes this guy. He's going after everybody. He's not killing them. He's not brutal. And then he shows his Removes identity. Removes his helm, and that went over well. <laughs> I'm sure that's not as well the, as a lead balloon. The reaction he was going for. Oh, it's you. Get him out of here. Get him out of my sight. Jorah has a gift, though, for Danny. And the form of a dwarf. Of a half-man. Of an imp. That's going to be his nickname from now on. It's Tyrion, the gift Lannister. <laughs> That's his title. That's, that is... <laughs> so... what Do we think that's going to spare Jorah for a while? Or is that going to... Just be swept under the rug. I think it's going to be enough to get him questioned. Uh, it's going to be enough to get him an audience. It definitely piqued um, Danny's curiosity. But yeah, I don't know how long say... that will last. Yeah. Uh, we, it looks like scenes from the next episode that this will be elaborated further. So fingers crossed it goes well for Jorah. I know many fans do like him as a role. Back to King's Landing, we get Cersei visiting, visiting Marjorie, of which this is a very cordial and respectful uh, exchange. Well, I mean, Cersei's just appalled at the conditions they would keep the queen in. Oh my goodness, this is horrible. The robes she's forced to wear, the... Having to sleep on the ground and only given some sloppy soup to eat. The nerve. Not even a chair. 
Uh, I thought it was very thoughtful of Cersei to bring her leftover venison. I'm surprised that Marjorie was as tasteful as you hateful bitch. (laughs) And not something more in line with the language of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Just a thought. Well, you know, she's she's more tasteful than that. (laughs) She's of more class. That's right. Cersei then visits the High Sparrow in Baylor's Sept, although it's not necessarily Baylor's Sept. It's, it's below the chapel it, under Baylor's Sept. Chapel beneath. Uh, this High Sparrow expresses that the chapel, there's no engravings, no names, no one wanted fame for building this area, unlike Baylor and his monstrosity above. Cersei expresses that the accommodations for Marjorie are acceptable I like the turn that's taken through this you have to take this scene as a whole right oh yes mm-hmm. and and she's still so pompous at the beginning yeah you see the smirk she's carrying the smirk on her face all the way until uh, Lancel, Brother Lancel enters the yes. room cousin Brother Lancel is what they call him. Brother Lancel for the Sparrow, for the uh, Faith Militant, Cersei's cousin and former Sheet uh, companion. Well put. And this is where it all falls apart. To which the accommodation she was so approving. What's that? I said she has armed the church to enforce laws, laws of morality. This guy doesn't care who you are. He's already proven that. And Cersei makes the mistake of assuming that saying she has moved behind the scenes to arm them, that he would somehow be on her side. Yes. And he's even claimed several times, made it clear, I don't discriminate. I enforce the law equally. It doesn't matter who you are, highborn or low. Everyone is equal in the eyes of the seven. I, you know, all sinners are judged equally. Exactly. But then he says the the severity of their sin is how they will well, the reaction. Someone who lies on oath may not be punished by to the same as someone who kills, per se, hmm. right? Or not? Where we don't we don't know the degrees of punishment within the eyes of the seven. We get a nice little chuckle on the accommodations that she was so approving for Marjorie, she now gets to partake. Partake. <laughs> I want she to say cohabitate. In the but, hotel. but sadly, they are not in the same room. I thought that would have been hilarious <laughs> to give Marjorie a little smirk that Cersei, the mighty Cersei, has fallen. That would have been one heck of a cat fight. <laughs> Karma is a bitch. So I don't know if uh, you saw this, Brad Wade. I'm pretty sure you didn't, but there's a picture floating around the internet for the next season of Orange is the New Black. It's the back of a police wagon <laughs> with Marjorie and Cersei in orange jumpsuits. Nice. So uh, pretty comedic Orang- there. Whoever... Orange is the New Black, Westeros edition. Westeros edition. And that concludes the episode. So with that, were there any final thoughts, predictions, hopes, desires, regrets? I would like to point out that our uh, episode length is lengthening. 
Yes. There is more and more and more just intricate weavings of interlocking events here. I mean, we started off as a half-hour podcast. We did. And for our (laughs) listeners who were expecting more half-hours, we apologize. Feel free to pause at any point in future podcasts. You know, stretch your legs. Take a break. Uh, Go get a drink. Take a break. Yeah. Pour yourself some Dornish Red. It's fine. Right. But I I am enjoying... I am enjoying the more complex episodes. I am as well. It allows us to maybe bring back things we might have forgotten, maybe shine some light on things our listeners might have forgotten, and potentially give them an opportunity to shine some light on things that we have missed. So I encourage our listeners to do that. Definitely. Check us out. Facebook. uh, Facebook.com slash abundance.naught. Twitter dot uh, at Twitter, Twitter yes. at abundance not YouTube at and abundance of not yep Check pretty us much out. anywhere follow us talk to us hit us up let us know what you think about we this episode and others and again if we miss something that you picked up on do let us know we'll uh, give you a shout out next week absolutely and with that Vala Morgulis Vala de Hyrus. <laughs>